What is turning out to be a very important, very special Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by... Nope, not brought to you by that one. <laughs> brought to you by Ella Pavorsky Jewelers. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong thing. Where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, and Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. Boy, let's see if AU is scheduled to be on tonight. Let's let's see if he has internet from 1997 or 2019. That's the big mystery. On today's show, uh, free agency just about wrapping up. The Sixers have almost an entire roster just tonight. Signed their first guard and maybe more importantly, let uh, another guard go as we say goodbye to another member of the Process Core 4. Um, I wanted to uh, give a, a mention to, we, we lost a, a Process Pup yesterday. Um, uh, Woody, uh, a dedicated Rice Ricky Sanchez listener, Dave, we have a, a Process Pup, Woody. One of the original Process Pup Pups had to say, uh, farewell to this world yesterday. So we just want to give a, uh, send all of our love to Woody's family and to Woody who had a, a great life and a great family. And uh, Dave told me that Woody stuck around just through free agency to make sure that everything would be okay with the Sixers before he left his family. So um, a, a, a wonderfully weird thing to say about a, uh, a wonderfully good dog. Um, so we give all of our love, all of our process pup love to Woody. Thank you, Woody, for, uh, for all of the, uh, the love that you gave while you were here. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, uh, along with a guy who I uh, believe is in, you know, you, you said that you believe that TJ would not be back, but the reality of him not being back, I believe, I'm, I'm wondering if it hit you as hard as it hit me. Yeah, I mean, not that many guys have been here that long. It's no. really now just Embiid. And, yep. and I would add Simmons. Um, they're the long, two longest tenured guys on the team. Um, TJ played. Did TJ play before Embiid? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So TJ's been on court the longest tenured sixer. And we've been through some shit, man. We've been through some shit. Uh, the 10-win season, getting good, mm-hmm. which, which was cool. Um Obviously, T.J. individual moments, and then, yeah, and then him being the first uh, sixer on, on a live pod. So that was cool for us. Um, he's he you know he means lots to a lot of people because because he's been through it and he seemed to really appreciate the fans and he played his ass off. Um, I don't think it's the wrong decision that they didn't bring him back, uh, but especially because you know. All, all the reasons he 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 just if you're gonna bring get a backup point guard have someone that can shoot quickly I don't think he can't shoot like he's good he's no. good from the line he just doesn't shoot like willingly quickly um, 
And, I, and he, I was, I was he's one of those that would work on that over the course of last summer and, and just didn't come into the season ready for it. So I think they, they were right to move on. And I hope he fucking wins the starting job from Malcolm Brogdon in Indiana. Yeah, he uh, he's one of those guys that I would expect would would like not settle for wherever he is. You know, not that not that he'll, you know, end up as an all star by the time that he's 30. But it's not unheard of for for guys to get better, especially especially the point guard guys with like, as you mentioned, sort of a structurally sound shot. Um, so I, you know, I think there's a very it, slow release. Yeah, really slow. <laughs> Maybe the yeah. slowest. Yeah, for sure. But like, who knows if he get if he? I don't know if it got twenty five percent quicker. You know where where he gets. And I think the other thing is that um, you know the the fact that Simmons is what he is makes it tougher to play mm-hmm. TJ. And I like it's hard to I want, when when the Woj tweet came through. Like as the Sixers, and we'll get to this as the Sixers went through the free agency week. And literally had basically no guards uh, until tonight. Josh Richardson is, you know, a guard, I guess. So he was the only guard. It it started to come to the point where you would look at the free agents and you would be like, well, I sort of thought that there was a possibility that he'd be back. Yeah. And um, when I saw the Woj tweet with the um, that he was going to the Pacers, it really hit me. He was a guy that I I always go back to the summer league and camp when he was there. And I specifically remember Jake Pavorsky tweeting that he had a chance to make the team. And I remember, I don't remember what pod it was, but on a pod, I was like, there is no fucking way this guy's making the team. And uh, I like the other white guard who shot all the time that never ended up in the NBA. Um, I don't think Scotty Wilbekin is white. Oh, is he half then? He's pretty light skinned. If I'm he's, not sure. Oh, so Scotty Wilbekin was the guy that I like. You don't think he's white? I think he's white, isn't he? I don't he? think he is. Hmm. I don't know. Whatever. You knew who I was talking about, which is, which is, I guess, enough of the point. And I, I didn't think he would make the team, and then he made the team. Um, and I just fucking he just became a guy that I loved, and the. The the live pod is an all timer. If you're a new Rights to Ricky Sanchez listener, go back. Um, TJ appeared on our first ever live pod and just turned it up to eleven, like just fucking eleven with the curse words and two beers. He really and, set the tone for all live podcasts that we we do now, right? Which means yeah. which means me getting drunk and thinking about TJ. Yeah, like he he dove right in. Like I think his. Uh, uh, his wife now, I think fiance at the time, or no, was it wife? It was like, it was just, they had just been married. Just been married. I think she was like mad at him because he cursed so much. And he did the, didn't want to fucking go to Cleveland and said they were going to make the playoffs. And like, it was, it was wild. And, uh, from that point on, he just loved it. He took pictures with everybody like happily and willingly. And just the, the game winner, the Knicks game winner, and that playoff game, man, the the playoff game against the Celtics that he won. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, you know, you, I, I don't mean to make too much of this, but the fact that he got along so well with Embiid and then when Butler came here, who I obviously despise, but Butler, who is famously um, sort of, you know, not a get along with kind of guy, but TJ looked like he just fucking forced himself onto Butler. Um, Maybe not the I, best terms. 
Well, yes. not, not sexually, Mike. I, I meant as a friend. He sort of forced himself as, as like, he was like, I'm going to be here. There's that one clip of him, um, like, dragging him on the floor away from a fight, which I thought was funny, mm-hmm. too. So yeah, that was good. He was a he was a, a good soldier and went through all of this with us. And I think um, I think I speak for everybody when I say that we'll miss having him around. And I do truly hope he succeeds in uh, Indiana. He didn't slap the fucking hardwood. And yeah, so that's why I think that I think there's like a to be continued here. I think at some point when Simmons can shoot and hopefully and TJ shoots uh, more willingly and quicker. Uh, I could see a, a return in the next, you know, four or five years. Oh, God, thing. that'd be great. That'd be I'd love fun. to teach it back. When Simmons enters, maybe even maybe later than that, when Simmons enters his, like, Blake Griffin phase where he's like, I'm getting a little older, I can still take over games, but, like, I don't need to run point guard all the time. And so we have, you know, young guy, TJ comes in to mentor the young guy. That's what I'd love. Uh, that would be tremendous. A return, And we could do another, and we would have to, like, so we moved. We we did our first two live pods at Underground Arts, and then we moved to um, uh, shoot. I don't know. It used to be called the Electric Factory, and I always forget the name of it now. They changed the name of it. It doesn't matter. But we would have to move back, I think, to Underground Arts when TJ comes back to do the live pod in there again, too. So honestly, by that point, hopefully the Sixers have won enough titles where there isn't even a podcast anymore. But we'll do one again. Yes, if TJ comes it's the back. reunion, the reunion pod, the reunion pod. Get so, Choo in there. What a yep. nice time that'll be. So farewell to TJ, uh, one of us, definitely, and I hope he does well. Yeah. A couple of people mentioned that he'll look good. I mean, he is kind of a fucking Hoosiers guy. I mean, he's not, <laughs> but I mean, he'll look fine in a Pacers uniform. So Yeah, it's so. A, kind of a weird fit because they have Aaron Holiday and, and they just signed Edmund Sumner to a three-year deal, but I think he's the perfect guy who can play with Oladipo and Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we tweeted this, but I do think he's going to Indiana as an undercover agent to <laughs> steal that Rookie of the Year trophy and bring it back to Philly, where well, at least whether it was Dario or Embiid, one of them deserved it, and it's ours. That's our trophy. He'll bring it back, and he'll bring it back when he re-signs here. That's when he'll surprise us with it. We'll never know that it happened. That'd be good. The Willie Green Apple Podcast five-star review. We're at 2,416 on the way to 3,000. When we get to 3,000, I read all the reviews. This one sort of pissed me off a little bit. Um, The subject line is technically flawed. Been listening for the past few years and continually impressed with the persistent technical difficulties. Even more impressed because they've talked about how they've edited out mistakes during the podcast, yet so many episodes have glaring mistakes. The most recent one, immediately post-Jimmy Butler trade, was a glorious example of the pod's technical struggles. Nonetheless, I thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Keep up the flawed but good work. Five stars. Can't disagree with that. Fuck off. I, it's not my fault that Unterberger doesn't have internet. I, what do you want me to do? How am I supposed to fix that? <laughs> And I don't want to cut the whole thing out. Like, I think it's sort of funny that his internet doesn't work. So I want to leave it in there. Anyway, we are on the, the doorstep of Summer League, which we'll get to. I wanted to sort of like put a, uh, I was going to say put a hat on, but that's not right. I want to wrap a, wrap a bow around free agency. The, uh, the Sixers signed Raul Neto tonight, a point guard, an actual guard. He mentioned when I was looking up how to pronounce it, 
he said that it's actually pronounced Howell, but people in America say Raul. So, but I think I'm just going to stay with Raul like I did with Sarich, and I never moved to Sarich. Uh, Raul Neto, I don't ever remember watching him uh, play. He, you know, a quick glance at his basketball reference looks like he's a point guard who... <laughs> Uh, can make three pointers at a reasonable rate when he shoots them, but I, I don't ever remember seeing him play ever. You yeah, know? so he's a Brazilian point guard. He is very attractive, which goes with the theme of attractive Sixers, um, which is important. And uh, you know, we're not going to win a fucking championship being ugly as hell. We're going to win looking looking good. Uh, he's very fast. He's an incredibly fast point guard. Uh, I remember a couple years ago. He sort of like was nervous in the playoffs and like seemed very out of place, but he's reasonably okay defensively. He's moves the ball offensively. He's not a non-threat from three. He is absolutely in every in every sense of the word a replacement level point guard, and uh, and that's fine. I think over the course of the season, if not this season, then certainly next. He, he just got signed to a one-year minimum, but I think the plan is for Shake to be that backup point guard. And also be able to play with Ben. I don't really think that. I mean, Neto can play with Ben. Like he's he, he's decent enough of a of a shooter, and he's fast enough to like cut off ball and stuff. Um, but I I think it'll be fine. He he's he's not a zero defensively, um, not a guy strong or big enough to switch. But as a backup point guard that can penetrate a little bit, solid shooter. That's exactly what you want for the minimum. Totally fine with it. Yeah, well, they didn't have too much choice in there. So, yeah, fine. It it brought me back to uh, a very, very, very uh, early rights to Ricky Sanchez when we were talking about them signing um, Udrich. Uh, What's his name? Bino. Bino Udrich, yeah. I don't know if they're similar players at all, but the name looks similar to me. So that's what it reminded me of. (laughs) As in not American. (laughs) Well, it's, it's taken that long for... We've been we've been searching for uh, point guards who can shoot for that long, and all we've really had so far is Isaiah Cannon and Sergio Rodriguez. So, um, really stretching the truth. Bit. I wanted uh, it would have been cool <laughs> for me. I'm fine. I really am fine with Neto. He, he's just like totally fine. Um, career thirty seven point seven percent from three, seventy eight percent from the line. So like that's just fine. Um, I really wanted Vasilya Mitic, who would have been, especially after they lose TJ, and it's like Embiid's the last guy from the Hinky era, and then they bring over Mitchich, who's been playing overseas since Hinky drafted him in 2014, and be like, oh, we got I, another guy. I don't think he me. can come over yet. I think he's uh, I, I think he's committed for a year. Yeah, something. I mean, there's always buyout yeah. bullshit, but he might just be, he might just stay over there. I don't know. I wanted, I like, I the. it's so fun when, you know, the Celtics just signed a, a center from overseas, it's just like, hey, I'm here now. And it's like, I want one of those. Give me one of those. I was texting Elon about it, asking for a couple guys. And so there's, you know, guys I'm falling in love with that are just playing in Europe, waiting to be plucked out of the crowd. But I'm fine with Neto, handsome, fast, can dribble. That's all it is. So they also signed a guy that we, I think we've been mentioning for at least two years, Kylo Quinn. Uh, Thank God they have another center. Uh, He is really capable. He, every time I've watched him, he's impressed me. He's a pretty good defensive player and, yeah. and definitely a capable offensive player. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited to have Kylo Quinn on the minimum at the minimum. I, I feel like 
Like, why was this so fucking hard last year? But yeah, <laughs> uh, there he is, Kyle O'Quinn. Well, thank God. For sure. I mean, O'Quinn is a guy that we've been talking about for a while. Got a nice big beard, like 6'10", 250, big beefy guy. The advanced stats, like, love him. Like, and have loved him for a long time. Um, the problem being, in his limited minutes, he fouls a lot. Um, like, Jonah level fouls a lot. Um, but he can protect the rim. He's really, really strong. He has good shooting touch. Um to the point where you wonder why he hasn't started taking threes more. He just really hasn't at all. Because um, he's, he's got a nice touch from the mid-range. He's a decent foul shooter. Uh, so I hope that they push him back and he can do some, like, you know, Aaron Baines-type three-point shooting in, in limited minutes. Because I, I would, would love to be able to play, you know, in, in times when Embiid or Horford is sitting, you have O'Quinn as the primary backup center. You let him play with Ben. And if, if, if O'Quinn can step out and stretch the floor a little bit, then that would be helpful. Uh, he's also a really good passer. He's a smart player. Um, but the fouls is really what limits him. But they're not going to be asking for too much. So in a pinch or if, if Embiid or Horford gets injured, he, he's absolutely totally fine with a 15, 20-minute backup, backup center minutes. Uh, the other cool thing about him, which um, I recently found out, a couple people tweeted this at me, uh, <laughs> a story came out a couple years ago or a year year or two ago that he... And he went to uh, his agent's kid's bat mitzvah. Um, and oh, ha- did you see that picture with the 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 or the video with him talking to Joe Kim Noah about his yarmulke? No, I didn't actually. But he, <laughs> so, so, but he, but he loves. So he went to his kid's bat mitzvah, had a great time, and just goes to bar and bat mitzvahs now, and has fun and like takes selfies with the kids, and they, you know, that's the thing. So if you're if you have a son or daughter getting Barbot Mitzvah in, in, in the next year in the Philadelphia area, uh, give Kyle O'Quinn a call. See if he wants to show up, eat some free food, do uh, the cha-cha slide, all the good stuff. It's There's a video of him talking <laughs> to Joachim Noah basically about like, like, I don't know why they were talking about yarmulkes, and Joachim Noah's like, you don't have a yarmulke, and he's like, Bro, I do have a yarmulke. It says KO on it. Like, <laughs> like he was he was sure he had a yarmulke. That's great. So I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, I also the, the other thing about the O'Quinn signing, I think Kyle Newbeck uh, mentioned this in a piece, is that it basically makes Jonah Bolden a primary four now. Um, I think it's, it feels like we've had Bolden for a really long time, but I it, he was just a rookie last year, and they tried him at five here and there, and they just never trusted him protecting the rim. And so over the course of the season, you saw him playing with Embiid a little bit more, um, where his responsibility was, which which is also what they did with Rashawn in the in the last year of Rashawn, where it was like once in a while, it was like, okay, now he plays with Embiid as a four, and he like offensive rebounds, he runs around, but he's not responsible for anchoring the defense. And so now that there are three legitimate playable centers um, that can anchor the defense, Jonah can just be like, I'm just going to be energy guy. Uh... I can. He's always been pretty solid defending the perimeter. He can't cover anybody inside without fouling the fuck out of him. But um, hopefully, athleticism, energy. Hopefully, that shot gets, you know, continues to improve, and maybe he learns how to dribble a little bit more. Um, but I think it's probably smart, in both the short term and the long term, to make Jonah a playable player for this team while he's on such a, sh- uh, a, a cheap deal. To to just say, just be a four. Don't worry about the other stuff. Move your feet, switch on everything, run around, get offensive rebounds, and set screens and stuff. So I think that's going to be smart. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I think he sucks. I, I, oh, really? I'm just you're out. Yeah, I um, was thinking that there's a chance that they just trade him over at some point yeah. this season, but he he fits with their long disruptive mindset. He just didn't have enough wherewithal to to really just, anchor a defense, and so it, I, I think too, there's there's something to be said for an, an energy guy that is as athletic and long as he is. Yeah, he's just he's too he plays too foolishly for a guy as old as he is. I just. I'm not buying it. I just and I, I know I've, I'm snap judgment guy, and I'll change my mind like if if he does something good. But I remember I remember loving Corkmus, and then I saw him play, and I was like, oh well, this guy fucking blows. Like it, it it took me it took me I think two games to be like his feet are too big for his body. Why is he so slow? This is not the same guy I watched on YouTube, and um, I just watch Cork I watch uh, Bolden. I'm like, ah, this guy just doesn't have it, and. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he does. So, yeah, maybe he's still he's still young, and he, this would only he has three years, including this one on on his contract. So, um, great. I, I mean, Corkmaz is he he had, he had 41 at summer league last year. I watched it, yes. and I really truly believed that this was all happening for me. And I was I know I was you know, it's tough to think about how much I was I was much higher on Luau than I was on Corkmaz. Uh, turned out not neither of them are really NBA players. <laughs> yeah, and when, yeah. when the Sixers got when Colangelo got both of them, it was such a such a fig leaf for us. Yeah. Um, and we were we were wrong about those guys. Yeah, I talk wrong. about I I talk about how I'm right a lot on draft guys, and and certainly I've I've, I've had a couple wins, Spike. <laughs> but those ones those those hurt. Nope. Something, those something about those cameras in Europe, they just I, make things look a little more athletic than they are. I, I've said it a million times. I don't trust European YouTube anymore. I don't trust like I, and I'm not trying to be a, a like a, what is it called when you're like, don't like other countries? Um, xenophobe. I'm not a xenophobe. I'm I'm not. But like I, I, in fact, I used to lean toward those players in my YouTube. But then I got screwed so many times. Yeah, I'm hurts. like, wait a minute. Yeah. I think uh, I do think that, you know, because you were down on Doncic, and you probably still are, at least according per the. You know, regular common wisdom about him, but uh, I think it's if a guy looks, if you're drafting a guy for his athleticism overseas, right. then he better be re- he better be fucking Giannis type athletic, um, and not just like oh he's bouncing around having fun, uh, or they have to be like oh he's a really winning player, he's very smart and makes things happen rather than just you know I I can so see Luau dunking on, in transition <laughs> i just so see it nonstop, yep. just rising up over people and just flying through the air but it, i don't think he dunked once in, no i was about to say that i've never seen him dunk I, I, it, and he was like a, both of those fucking guys cork and tlc were like dunk usa on those <laughs> dunk europe on Korkma, those fucking videos cork won a uh, a dunk contest, a dunk contest. In, a, in, a, in a batman cape <laughs> No, it was Darth Vader. No, Darth Vader. Darth match. Vader, that's what it was. It was Darth Vader. You're right. Yeah. Fuck, what the fuck happened? Are, anyway. Why are his feet so fucking big, Mike? His feet yeah. are fucking enormous. He can't really even, tough. they're too big. Really anyway. I wonder, I wonder if he'll get a contract somewhere, if he'll, if he'll go to back to Europe this year. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Get a I wouldn't mind him going, going overseas for like three years and then coming back and being like, okay, I'm good now. That'd be interesting. I, I totally ap- appreciate your commitment. <laughs> He's fucking <laughs> There's something Take there. a break. He has uh, pure shooting in him. We're going to take a break to talk about our sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. LL, a sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez run team at the Providence Animal Center 5K. 
um, which is October, Providence Animal Center, Bark in the Park 5K, which is October 26th. You don't even have to run. You can walk. You can walk a dog. Um, we have 20 members of the t- on the team already raised 2,000. We want to get 100 members and raise 15,000. Just go to uh, this post on rightsrickysanchez.com. And the T-shirt, of course, has Mike's dog, Donovan, my dog, Rebel, Joel's dog, Klaus, TJ's dog, Zona, um, uh, Robert Covington's dog, Ace, and Ben Simmons' dog, Bane, on it. So, and designed by our friend, Abby. So go to uh, this post on rightsrickysanchez.com. It says L.L. Pavorsky on it. L.L. Pavorsky up to 138 rings wow. sold uh, to rights to Ricky Sanchez uh, listeners, um, 138 engagement rings. He actually shared with me uh, an email today from a very satisfied customer. Lee, the ring is absolutely perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. And my soon to be fiance is going to be speechless. This is the perfect way to start a long weekend. I'll be sure to send you pictures and videos from the reveal. Hope you and your family have a fantastic summer break. All the best, James. By the way, LL's daughter, uh, Missy, says she is no longer a Sixers fan. She's a huge TJ fan. She's a Pacers fan now. So um, look, uh, LL has sold engagement rings and given away engagement rings to tons of rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners, and they're all thrilled. The real ones and the fake ones all send us great emails about their experience with LL. Great ring, great price. Always deal with LL. You're not going to walk in there and deal with somebody else. You're going to deal with LL if you want to deal with LL. He's right there. He's greeting you, giving you free chocolate, free water. There's a rights to Ricky Sanchez logo on the wall in the jewelry store. It's fucking crazy. 707 Walnut, he's been doing it for uh, over three decades now, which is crazy, at the same location. Get your engagement ring from L.L. Pavorsky. Make an appointment before you go over there so he can lay out everything for you. Send him an email. uh, Go to llpavorsky.com to do it. You can call 215-627-2252. No pressure at all. Or just tweet at him, at L.L. Pavorsky. And... For every podcast, he makes generous donations to our charities, Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center, the first charities we've ever kept for more than one year. So they're going to be for a second year. So very happy to have them on again. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. A handsome jeweler for our handsome Sixers. Sixers re-signed James Ennis. Two years. Uh, 4.2 million, which is a vet minimum deal. Uh, he was good for us last year. I'm yeah. happy to have James Ennis back. Yeah, winner of the quiet tournament against yep. Corkmaz and John Simmons. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe he won that. Yeah, well, you know, there was a time when he might have been ranked third on that, on yeah. that tournament list. <laughs> by uh, us? Yeah. By, by a bunch of people. Uh, weird guy, shot dribbles weird, sort of wiggly, but he does the job. He gets his offensive rebounds. He works on defense. He can switch. Uh, teammates love him. Seems like a really good dude. Um, I hope he quickens, tightens his release on his threes, but if he's exactly the guy that he was in the playoffs for us all season, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. The Sixers weirdly now, I, I know everyone was, was hyperventilating about not having the Sixers not signing any guards, which sure I would, I was happy that they got Neto and just somebody that can dribble in a pinch, but I really, it's not a bit, I really do believe in Shake Milton as a, as a fine backup point guard. It's not like backup point guards are, you know, winning MVPs much. Uh, he's a totally capable, serviceable guy. Quinn Cook was backup point guard on the fucking Warriors. Like, there's just, he's, he's good, and he's going to be good, and he's got size, and he's smart, and he, and he can shoot a little bit. 
So now, but now they now they have a the roster is up to thirteen people, um, and they're like deep, like there's depth, uh, for sure. Is there shooting? Not a ton, but is there depth and bodies and length, and a, a decent amount of a mix, a blend of uh, young guys and veterans? I I think it's nice. I think they're Corver's Cor, Corver just got bought out or will be getting bought out in that trade to He got traded to Phoenix from Memphis. And uh the Sixers are listed as one of the three teams, him and uh the Sixers, the, the Lakers and the Bucks. I think odds are he goes to the Lakers. Um but the, the Sixers could use him here, but I, at the same time he gets kind of played off the court defensively at, at this point. And they have a bunch of guys. They're, they're, the bench is deep, and I believe in it. I believe in the young guys. I wish there were maybe one more second-round guy yeah. that they don't even want to play this year because they're developing, but that's not what's going to happen. They're gonna have, they are gonna have a bunch of playable guys off the bench and hopefully enough guys to, to give our starters a rest so everybody's healthy going in, into the playoffs. How do you feel about the depth? Um, I, I, the so the number of players they have feels fine. Um, you know, like I am confident in O'Quinn as a rotation player. Yep. I'm confident in Scott as a rotation player. I'm confident-ish in James Ennis as a rotation player. Sure. I am, uh, I believe that they believe that Thibault will be able to contribute this year. Yeah. And, and I am hopeful for Zaire and Shake. Uh, I am overall like, really positive on Shake as a uh, or on Zaire as a like as a player. Yeah. But I I don't know about like how much he's going to play this year, but I'm I'm fine with all of it. I think that the place that and I just heard about like I've seen Raul Neto's name before, but I like I said I've never seen him play. Um so they have it seems like enough in terms of number of players. What I'm really worried about is that they don't have a reliable creator uh, on the bench. And, um, you know, you had mentioned um, DJ Augustine on a, a previous yeah. uh, pod. And I don't think you mentioned JJ Berea, but they're similar sorts of players. And I guess I just wish we had a guy on the bench who could get, who I knew could get super hot every once in a while and and just sort of like, keep the offense moving on their own. And that's where I'm a little worried depth-wise. Like, obviously, our, our starting lineup is weird. It's a weird starting lineup. It's, it's enormous, and I, I am optimistic about it. But it is sort of creator uh, light, and our, our bench is creator light. And it does, I was, um, I don't think I wrote it. Did I write a thing? No, I didn't write a thing. I like what they did in free agency because really what they did was they told Embiid and Simmons, like, we are, we are enabling you in Absolutely. a good way. Yeah. With, with Embiid, they're saying, we understand that the team was trash when you were off the court and you felt a responsibility to play more than you should have. We're taking away that excuse now. So Horford is here. We can have a good team at center with you off the court. Get it done. And to Ben, they were saying, I believe, um, look, J Jimmy Butler, like, you don't have to split possessions with that guy anymore. And this is your team, and you are the primary initiator 
on offense in that starting lineup. We're not even putting a, a regular point guard there with you. Not even like a, a Pat Beverly-esque, you know, um, dribble second, shoot first sort of point guard. Um, we believe in you. I like all of that. Um, I like all of it in, a, in sort of like a, a growth perspective. I do get nervous ab- about like the number of creators and actual shooters they have. The shooter thing is funny because everybody is now capable of shooting. Yeah. Um, but nobody aside from Tobias is like a fucking shooter. You know what I'm saying? That's a long answer. So that's how I feel about it. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, they're just going to need to unload. And I think I believe in Josh Richardson as a shooter. I think he'll shoot absolutely capable of shooting 36, 37 plus percent on like six, six, seven threes a game. And that's what he's going to need to do. Uh, Horford's going to need to do the same thing, and B is going to need to shoot five, six threes a game. Uh, and hopefully Simmons is getting ready to just step into it. Um, who knows if he's... I, I just would love to see some some actual, like, every game, not surprising attempts from Simmons. When they're playing way off him, he just catches it and steps into it and, hits, and shoots a three. That's, I just need, we, just need, we just need that. that. That has to happen, regardless of if he misses it. Like, he'll get there. I, I need to see that level of growth that he's just willing to take it this year. Um, Mike Scott also is a, a knockdown three-point shooter, I, I, w- I would argue, um, even if he hasn't put up plus 40% no, numbers I, ever. I agree. I think he's a legit three-point shooter. Yeah. And, 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 like, your point about the Simmons thing is, is good in that there have been, you know, Dietrich leads the charge on, you know, he actually doesn't need to shoot. He's actually not a point guard. And it's like, I'm just sick of hearing that. He's not a center. He's like, he doesn't want to be a center. He has to be able to shoot. He just, you know, and just he doesn't, up it doesn't so much have more. to. Yeah. Where like yeah. when the ball gets rotated to him, they don't have to totally restart the offense if nobody's on him. It's just, just step into that. Take, the, take that shot. And he can hit it. He hits it in warmups all the time. It's, that's the. That's the thing that's confounding, but hopefully is the confidence and the and the go ahead to just start let them fly. The other thing is, so your point about them, a missing a. I'm not so much. I'm I'm not worried about like them missing shooting. I'm I'm more worried about them missing Redick. I think that like him specifically more than any, even if it was just a regular guy to even if it was like a Covington level shooter. Forget about the defensive side, but even if it was a Covington level shooter, I don't I don't think that would. That's not like. I, I don't think there's Horford and Embiid, hopefully improvement, and Josh Richardson and Scott Nannis. I think that's all that basically covers that level. It is JJ's gravity and how he runs around screens and how they can like set up plays for all of those screens for JJ to run through that I think they'll miss and that they don't have with anybody on the roster. Even if I do believe that Matisse will shoot well from three and Shake can shoot well off the catch and, and a little off the dribble, same with Josh, whatever. The thing that I think we can take from this season is the the lineup, the roster that they have right now isn't necessarily going to be the roster by the deadline and beyond. Um, I think they, this team absolutely uses the regular season as a testy incubator of like, what we're going to do, how are we going to get there with sometimes with players? I would like them to do more of that. I would like them to keep a roster spot open and just like fucking cycle through ten days. You know, that's my that's my deal. When once the ten day season opens up, um, so hopefully they they go to that. If they don't, if, but they always keep a spot open in the buyout market to see to see who becomes available or in a trade or something like that. So even if it looks ugly at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't sweat it necessarily. I think they can go get a guy. 
the pedigree of that in regards to backup center minutes is not great because they never got a backup center that could actually play in the playoffs aside from a, a weird you know 15 minute stretch from Greg Monroe. Um, but that, I think that is the plan that over the course of the season, if if there are holes, whether it's shooting or creating, which I think is absolutely somewhat of an issue, even if I do believe in, in Shake to, to do some of that, and Josh Richardson to prime, be the primary uh, backup point guard in games that count when Simmons is resting. Um, I do think that they will, that that'll, that they're, they're still needing in that area, and I think they'll, they'll go get some if they need it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, uh, they have to, you know, like they're, I, I, I just think they have to, one thing they didn't, the, the thing that you mentioned about cycling through 10 days is like, I, I think they have to be a little more willing to like try guys. Yeah. Cut I guess. And that's sure. how, Yeah. And that's how you find, that's how you're like, Oh, Austin River is pretty good. Or, Oh, like, uh, who's the house guy that, uh, that the Rockets just resigned. Daniel house. Pretty good. Daniel House, like, oh, he's pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's important that they do that. Um, you know, uh, so we tried to, on Sunday night, have our the writer uh, for writesrickysanchez.com of If Not, Pick Will Convey, uh, what is it? As. As two second rounders. There you go. There you go. Um, for AU's Corner, we tried to have him on to wrap up the Tobias Harris trade, which he hated. And his internet was just fucking terrible, which is just sort of on the list of comical uh, technical errors, including a giant fan under his microphone. Uh, it's just the, the list is long. Andrew Underberger, who is brought to us by Kinetic Skateboarding, uh, the place where you're going to get all your dope Nikes and Vans and Converse and skateboards and snowboards and hoodies. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver at KineticSkateboarding.com. So, AU, why don't we give this a try again? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and I got to say, I, I, I always appreciate how uh, you guys always steer into the technical difficulties. You know, a, a lot of producers out there would try to divert attention away from them, but you, you always make sure to, to give them as much attention as humanly possible. So, Well, a, a lot of producers would try to divert attention away from them, but also a lot of hosts would try to make sure that their internet that's, works. That's a fair so point. I think... <laughs> <laughs> so um you were you you wrote a thing that you were you were pretty like pleased and encouraged uh by the the pivot that the front office made but i guess now that tobias harris is here and like the book is sort of on in some way not closed but like the the trade ended up with a player here as opposed to that player walking and we know what that player is making i guess looking back on the trade you know, what do you feel? Do you feel like if it was a hedge against Butler, does it make you re- rethink it? Where are you in the entire trade now? First and foremost, that the, the hedge against Butler thing always upsets me almost more than anything else about this trade. Like the idea that like we made one trade that we acknowledge could have gone bad. So we made another bad trade on top of that to make the first one seem less bad when the second one also, there's also no guarantee that that wouldn't go just as bad as the first one. And then nothing about that ever made any sense to me. Uh, but, but like generally speaking, you know, I, I like Tobias Harris. I, I feel like I, whenever I do one of these bits, like I, I feel like I always start out defending my like for the person. And it's true in this case, like he's a good fit on the Sixers. I think there's there's room for improvement there. I think he'll be better in the future than he has been for us already. And I, I did once we had him and once we made that trade, I did want him to resign. I think it, it's better than him just leaving for nothing. But I, I do also think you're, you're out of your fucking mind if you think that 36 million 
in a year for five years is in any way fair value or even close to it. Like, I don't know if you guys remember. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys probably do. But like when he was on the Clippers, they offered in, in the summer before the season started last year, they offered him 80 million for four years. Uh, yeah. And he, which he, and which he turned down, which which was you know obviously turned out to be a smart bet, and even at the time it probably seemed like a you know a decent bet on his part. But imagine if I told you after that that the Sixers would end up signing him for a hundred million more than he was offered by the Clippers, like a hundred million more. That's absolutely insane. You you would think that he had some sort of like incredible breakout season, he averaged you know twenty five five and five or something like that. And, and he was good last year. He was obviously better last year, uh, not really with the Sixers, but with the Clippers. You know he averaged like about twenty a game, uh, and th- but that's the first time he's averaged anywhere near that much. Uh, he's never been a box score stuffer. He's never graded out like by advanced stats. Is anything better than than pretty good? Uh, so well, I I didn't think it was a mistake to sign him, but it, 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 the fact that we did sign him goes back to why it was a mistake to trade for him in the first place because it put us in that situation where that was really the only option we had because we had given up all of our assets to make a poten- to potentially make another trade. Uh, we couldn't get Malcolm Brogdon because you know we had given up the, the first rounders that we would have gotten to maybe make the same trade that Indiana ended up making. Uh, and also we had to justify the expenditure in the first place because our, our front office is, is preoccupied with these things. We couldn't make two big swings for guys uh, in the middle of last season and have them both leave for nothing. Uh, so we lost Jimmy. We had to, t- we had to keep Tobias. Uh, but we also, you know, we, we lost JJ. And when we did lose JJ, we had the perfect guy in reserve for him last year. And the guy who looked like he was going to be the understudy that was going to step into that role once JJ left. Uh, and we had to give him up in that Tobias trade. And, and now, you know, that, that position kind of goes unfilled. Who knows how we're going to fill it, when we're going to fill it, how it's going to go, cost to fill it. Uh, and who knows how much the t- Tobias being there affected the, the Jimmy Butler talks. Uh, you know, it probably seems like he was leaving anyway. But, you know, you, you just don't know how that affected the, the calculus of the Sixers side. And it's, it's all for a guy that's just never been elite. He was good for us last year, but he wasn't great. He's never really been great. Uh, and while, you know, there, there's been some talk about Al Horford's contract and whether that's too much for a guy who's 33, uh, especially if, if we are paying him 109 instead of 97. But, you know, at least if, if we're paying him 26 or so a year, like, He's been worth that much. Uh, he he has been worth that much as recently as I would say last year. I'd say last year he was worth 26 million. Uh, he, he maybe he'll be worth that much this year, maybe not. But at least there's a precedent for it. There's reason to expect that he'll be worth that much. There's never been anything to make us think that Tobias Harris will be worth 36 million dollars a year or anywhere even close to it. Uh, you know, and I I do think. Yeah, I think he'll be good, but it's just a really, really big bet to put on a guy who's, you know, he's young, but he's not that young. He's 27. He's never been an all-star. He's never been one of the three best players on a team that's done anything in the playoffs. But we had to give him that much money because we made that dumb trade. And so here we are now. And this is our guy. And so, you know, fingers crossed, I guess. (laughs) Well, so that's you feeling good about what happened. Well, that's me. That's me (laughs) feeling good about the rest of it and the Tobias Harris part of it in context. I'll never, I'm never going to feel good about that trade, and I did have to get like one more reminder in there that, like, okay, yeah, we're, we're feeling good about things now, but we could be feeling a whole lot better if we just never made this fucking trade in the first place. That's fair. I, I do think they made the swing to get Butler because they thought that they had a shot to have a championship window now. Then they made the swing to get Tobias because there's a chance that Butler doesn't left, and also Tobias just made them better. And they were better in the playoffs with Tobias than they would have been without him. Sure, but but not uh, not like a lot better. I mean, it, it, maybe it makes a difference of them taking the Raptors really to the brink and not. So I, I guess you could say that because that series ended up in a coin flip, it would have been worth it even if both guys had left. 
but it, it wasn't like Tobias was just like the missing piece that made the entire team click around him. He was probably better than, you know, Shamit and Change would have been in his stead, but it wasn't like he was the difference in that series, you know? Yeah. I mean, he missed a lot of shots. We've talked about this before, but he, he, missed, he missed shots he, he should have made. And I think this year, I, I think it's just as much as it's hard to read into, like, everything in one series that they couldn't do it. I think that it's, it's hard to... I think he's going to be better this year because they're going to count on him more this year. He's going to have the ball in his hands uh, a decent amount when Ben is off the court especially, but also when he's on the court. I think they're going to run pick and roll with Tobias a decent amount. Um he can pull up. He's got he's got some like good Carmelo to his game, and also just needs to continue to improve and be reliable off the catch. Well, my question to you is, like, how much better do you think he has to get to make that contract not a disaster? Not a disaster, or at not, least like not. So you you think if he's as good as he was last year, that contract's okay? I think the team well, a, so, a team can, of of Simmons and Embiid, and a guy who can shoot and create a little in Tobias and be at least big on the glass and big enough to switch onto big guys and, and not get, you know, reliably burnt on the defensive end. Uh, I think that team is always going to be a contender. And so even if, if, if we're overpaying Tobias, which for sure, if he was the best player on a, on a, on a team on then he, that team would probably not be anything more than a seventh, eighth, uh, spot in the, in the conference. Um, then we're underplaying Embiid, you know, the the way the max salary works. So it's like, yeah, for sure, but all all told, having those guys for that much of your cap, it's like, yeah, they're going to be good, and if they can work the margins enough to get decent guys, which I, I honestly believe they have, um, then I think they'll give a chance to win a championship, and if they win a championship, then it all goes away. No deals even count. We're fucking <laughs> celebrating. We rip up the paper. We we fucking just hoist the trophy and say fuck you to the past. Yeah, th- that's all. That's all we want. Th- th- that's all true and fair. But I, I just don't think we win the championship with last year's version of Tobias Harris as our third best player. That that I mean, I I, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Can I l- throw this in here? Like I, I think the context of the contract is directly. I, I think this is Mike is saying is directly. Uh, now you, you're saying that it's not possible that we win a championship with Tobias Harris as the third well, with best Tobias player, Harris as good as he was like, last year, right? But, but I guess what I'm saying is is like Otto Porter's contract is definitely like a disaster on a shitty team, and like uh, and not as a disaster on a good team. And like yeah. I, I guess I could look at like Marcus Saul last year, and Marcus Saul for but the Raptors was making like 28 million dollars, and he, he wasn't that fucking good. Um, and it, like so, look, I'm not defending it. It's a wild overpay. I wish they didn't do the trade. I call the trade a disaster. That said, um, like if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are good enough to be the first and second best players on a championship team, which they have not been so far, but if they are, then I don't think Tobias Harris as the third best player on the team is like, I don't think that's like, like I, we look at the, the Raptors last year and their third best player was who? Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam? I mean, that's fair, but we also, like, I think our third, that, 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 like, 
third guy option for us is is a much like much more important hole than it was for the Raptors because they had Kawhi who could kind of be all things at all times. We were all of our guys are sort of limited in one key area and they have to complement each other a little bit better than that. And we don't have that well, guy at the moment. I mean, this I'm certainly not the first person to point this out, but without Jimmy Butler, we don't have that guy to at the end of the game just give him the ball and hope that he can get a shot off. And now I think Tobias sure. Harris is probably the most credible option on the roster right now to do that. I mean, maybe eventually you want it to be Simmons. Maybe you think if, if Embiid gets dominant enough, then it just won't matter that he's a post player. But right now, at least, we probably need that guy to be Tobias. And last year's version of Tobias is not that guy. And I, I, I think, you know, you, Mike, you talked a little bit about uh, like the kind of mini mellow aspects of this game. And I, I, I agree with you that, that he has that in him. But he didn't show it a lot for the Sixers. And he's going to have to show it a lot more, I think, to, for us to be able to trust him down the stretch with, with, with those kind of opportunities. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think absolutely Tobias, who has gotten better each season, him adding over the offseason a, a little more dr- dribble drive to his game and a little dribble drive that he can like isn't just a straight line driver. He can like go left or pivot or hesitation like that kind of stuff. That, that'd be really important. That'd be huge. They would they need that. And I hope the confidence hope like they're conveying that to him with this five year deal that he's like, all right, I'm going to go and I, I get to handle the ball a little bit more. Now that Jimmy's not here, I get to take not all of those, but some of those opportunities that he had. Um I also think this is just, you know, to, to pull back a little bit, when you're building a team, this is why having elite talent matters. Because if the Sixers didn't have Simmons and Embiid, if they didn't tank for Simmons and Embiid, then Tobias' contract would be terrible. They would be going nowhere. But because they are already, with those guys, firmly in the upper echelon of contending teams, they they just have to get... They, it, it, it becomes, if you start to, like... like Start a sh- like I forget what's the term? push pennies, what is the pinch pennies? <laughs> uh, pinch if they start to pinch I was pennies like, what about the fuck push is pennies? push pennies, oh, if they yeah. start to pinch pennies about like what? Okay, who's gonna be the third guy? Is this a little too much for Tobias? Okay, I guess well then, then we're gonna have to go down to a, a very injury prone Malcolm Brogdon or Bogdanovich who we don't think can create, but whatever it is, um, I think they was like we need the best guy. We believe he fits here because we've seen him fit here, and we have the luxury of slightly overpaying because we're underpaying Embiid, we're going to be underpaying Simmons, and these guys are under contract, they're here, and they're going to contend for a title. I just think this is why you try to get, you have to get one of the five best players in the league, because if we didn't have one, then absolutely I hear what you're saying. Right now, I just feel they have they have more great players than any other team does, and I think they're the favorites to win the championship. Wow. Uh, speaking of... Wait, they're the favorites to win the championship? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> Who is? They, they don't... They don't. They don't have a. When was the last time somebody won a championship without having one of the the four or five best players in the league? And I, I think Embiid is. But he's never. He, he has not. I love him. I like. I. I. I've been called like a. Like I. I defend him probably too much, but he has not. Like he has not shown. I mean, honestly, when has somebody won a championship without having one of the three best players in the league? I. I I, I, they're, they're not the favorites to win the championship. Who, who would you say is? That, not them. Who would you say is? Name. A I don't know. Teams. T- teams aren't built yet. I haven't. I, like I gotta watch. Like like I, I, if 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 Kawhi Leonard stays with the Raptors, then then the Raptors are. If Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers, then the Lakers are. Like I there's I I just don't think that there's any way. And th- this is not me being negative about the no, Sixers. No, for sure. You could prospect. convince me on the Raptors if he goes back there because they want it and they they're good. I think them getting slightly older I and all that stuff um the the, but, the bucks the, i mean i i don't know the the bucks why is why is Giannis not going to get better maybe he does i just don't think they have enough great yeah. players and they lost one in brogdon um 
I think the Sixers hmm. have more. I think they're really hard to cover. I think they're really hard to score against. They now have depth at kind of every position. I think Simmons is going to play 42 minutes a game in the playoffs, So and Josh Richardson will take the other six at point guard. So that I, as much as the backup point guard matters in the regular season, you just want to like have guys that can play, absolutely. I think once the rotation is short and everything, one of these young guys is going to pop for the Sixers. And that's enough depth to like get them through it. I just feel like they have they have the best starting lineup in the league and enough depth to sort of throw shit at the wall and and get there. I, shooting absolutely issue. Creation ability is absolutely an issue. But I just look around the league right now and I don't see any team that, that can that will beat them in a seven game series. Can I ask you guys an Embiid question? Uh, yeah. Sorry if you already talked about this, but it's just something I've been thinking about uh, with the more of these moves that happen. Um, so they let uh, they let Butler walk. Maybe they didn't have any choice there, but he's gone. Uh, and, uh, and now TJ too. Those were the two guys on the team that Embiid seemed closest with, and and JJ's also gone too. And that was the guy on the team that Embiid yeah. had the best on court relationship with. And they, the main guy that they brought in is Al Horford, a guy who plays the same position as him. Is there a chance that all this is adding up to to JoJo maybe not feeling so great about this offseason? Can I say it? It's not great. Like, I don't think it's bad, but it's not great. I think the Reddick thing, I, I don't think the TJ thing is a thing. Um, but I, uh, maybe a little bit of but the But the Butler thing, but the thing uh, must be, right? I mean, they were, they were doing all their press conferences at the end of the season together. They seem to have a pretty good, like, kinship. I think the, I think the Reddick thing is a true thing. Yeah. And I think the Horford thing is a true thing. Now, I don't think he is sitting somewhere stewing and, and waiting to get out of here. But my my guess would be is like that he really fucking loved playing sure. with Reddick. Yeah. I mean that was called call him the best player I ever played with. This and and it's not a a negative against Simmons, but the fact that their games haven't like the fact that Reddick's game was so complimentary to Joe. And what's funny is is that it was only it was pretty complimentary, but as far as anybody he's ever played with, it was like the most complimentary. And it uh, it worked so well for both of them, and the fact that he just went and with all of the turnover, and I think the Butler thing a little bit, and I think the Horford thing a little bit. My guess would be, um, like a, I would say, educated guess would be that there's probably a little skepticism about how this is all going to work. I don't think it will affect how hard he works or or how in how all in he is. But I, I don't think that's crazy to suggest, like, if you're, if you're Embiid or Simmons, like, I think Simmons imagines a world in his, when he lays in bed at night and thinks about the best situation for Ben Simmons, he is playing with four guys who get out of his way and can shoot, right? And I think in Embiid's best world, he is playing with uh, a similar four guys, but but he is in the post or he is running pick and rolls. And I don't think, um, while I think this roster is very talented and I don't think it would be shocking if they won a championship, I don't think it makes sense the way that a player would look at and go, oh, this will work out just fine. Um, and I think the Reddick thing is is truly uh, an, like a thing. Yeah, I, you know? I agree with most of that. I, uh, from what I heard, I, I, I've been told that he likes Josh Richardson a lot. Um, and... I believe he likes Al Horford as well and thinks that's, that's going to work out. Uh, I could totally see him being frustrated by the JJ stuff. Uh, him not being here is going to make things different. And we'll see how Brett staggers Embiid and Simmons if that's the plan 
or to just play him together and, and just make it work over the course of the season. Try to I would love to see what Embiid Simmons pick and rolls looks like on like a consistent basis. Um, just to try it. But I think it's a good point. Hope, hopefully Embiid, you know, I think at this point Embiid knows that this is like a, a business business, and I, I, I believe he has a lot of chemistry with a bunch of these guys, um, but there's not as much history there, and so he's going to have to build it. And I, I, my impression is that Embiid is just, you know, took the loss hard, and he's just got to get a lot better to be the guy that I that you know we think he can be. If I'm calling him a top five player in the league, he definitely has to get better. I think he has been in stretches, but he hasn't put it together long enough. Conditioning, all the stuff that people talk about, um, and shooting, uh, being being a consistent 35 percent shooter from three, that just has to happen, and there's no reason it shouldn't. Yeah, the the, the shooting thing is interesting to me. I, I was talking with, uh, with with Matt Del Rio, uh, the, you know, the the Mike Scott Hive inventor, uh, who. We, we, we were talking about kind of the, the different shapes that the team might take under this new roster, and we were wondering, like, is there is there a world in which sometimes at the end of games they maybe sit and bead and have Simmons and Horford do kind of like a, a spread pick and pop type thing with shooters around to sort of mitigate the fact that they don't really have a guy at the end of games to to, to take over that they might kind of try to hedge their bets with when Simmons play make and then having four available shooters to kick out to. Especially if Embiid's no. shooting doesn't doesn't pull up. No, I mean I think if you're worried about Embiid being upset about some of the guys that are going, he's gonna be he'd be more upset about getting pulled at the ends of games. So I don't I don't think it's gonna happen, and, and I don't think I don't think they should. He's just got to get better at shooting threes. He's got to get more confident. Whatever he's got to do just to tighten up his release or you know reps consistency, all the stuff. He's he just he has to he has to do it. And I think a lot of their offense is gonna come from dumping it to him in the post, and him kicking it out to guys or guys cutting. Or him exploiting, you know, slow doubles, all that stuff. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, thanks, buddy. Is uh, I love your internet. Um, <laughs> it's fucking yeah. amazing. Well, it's whistling. Yeah. Uh, uh, one quick last thing. Uh, it's, it's a couple of yeah. weeks late on this, but it's, you know, it's been my first appearance on the pod in a while. Uh, do you feel obligated to say something about uh, the starters who are, are coming off NBA TV after six years? Uh, as as you guys probably know, you know I did a did a lot of writing for them when I was when they, they were at the the score. They were known as the Basketball Jones back then. Uh, they they kind of took a chance on me when I was pretty unknown, uh, and, I, and I feel like my, my work for them was probably a, a fairly decent reason why you guys trusted me enough to, to bring me on on the Ricky uh, as a writer. Uh, and speaking of the Ricky, like I I you know I, I didn't write for them anymore once they made the move to NBA TV. Uh, they had to give up their website, but I still did. Uh, I wrote an annual trivia quiz episode for them that they did. They, they played through as a podcast. And even before I started writing here, I, I always tried to get in one Ricky or like deep Sixers culture related question a year. Like I, I had one about uh, like booing Tony Snell. I had one about who was Paul Millsap. I think I had one about Mike uh, getting trust the process on the grinder. Uh, they usually missed the question, but they didn't discourage me from continuing to write them. Uh, and they're the best, generally speaking. Uh, they're their massive influence on uh, like NBA media in general the last decade. And I'm sure they'll be back somewhere else that that isn't NBA TV, and and, and they'll do great. But uh, they're, they're part of the part of the reason I'm here today. So I want to make sure to give them a shout out. It's uh, they were the first basketball podcast I ever listened to. Um, if we're not counting Simmons, I would say that like. Uh, the basketball Jones and which is what I know them as. I hardly watched the TV show. I, um, you know, looking back on it, I understood why they did it, but channels like NBA TV like exist to just yeah. exist. And they're, 
you know, like they just sort of like float out there in the ether. They're not ESPN. It feels like a big deal, but it isn't a big deal. Like in terms of like the gen general population, um, their podcast was still to this day, I believe the best bo- basketball podcast I've ever heard. And it like, as a radio person, it had several things like radio things, like the good parts about radio, even like the, like they would have features and memorable things that they always did. And like the way they moved and the sound effects and the fact that one person was moving the whole thing, like Skeets was moving the whole thing. It's the best podcast, the best basketball podcast I've ever heard. And I can't wait till they're back on. It's funny. I, uh, I texted sharp and I was like, Hey, I used to have uh, not Skeets. Tass. Uh, whose email address did I have? I had Tass's email. And I was like, I want to get him on the Ricky. Do you have their contact info? And he said, yeah. And he didn't get <laughs> three weeks ago. And I, I should have just asked you yeah. because if the Raptors won the championship, I wanted to have one of them on. So uh, I hope they're back bigger and better. I think they're the greatest. Yeah, don't disagree with any of that. I think that they're the gold standard for podcasts. And it's funny, like for a long time, the only two podcasts, the only two NBA podcasts I listened to were basically... Uh, theirs and yours uh and you guys have a lot of similarities in some ways but like w- one thing that i've always noticed is that like, they would go out of their way to like explain even their most self-explanatory segments for first-time listeners whereas you guys just go oh, fuck it let's <laughs> just do a jigsaw and you know either people get it or they don't <laughs> but yeah well that's why they ended up on tv <laughs> and I'm, I'm i'm in my third bedroom with my dog staring at me from yeah. outside the the, the door. there you go but yeah they're, they're, they're um, the absolute best yeah Yep. All right. Thanks. All right. Buddy. Uh, Tobias Harris, get off my gold. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Get off my gold. Oh, really God. Good. I love it. Thanks, AU. Appreciate uh, it, buddy. Oh, my God. It's so, so good. Um, I had a couple of uh, mailbag questions before we go. But before we do, let's talk about our other sponsor, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Look, if uh, if you've been hit with a get off my gold and you're injured, you have to call Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Uh, I think it's pretty reasonable that somebody could get hit with a get off my gold and be injured. Um, Adam Cornblow is our guy, the uh, the father, the the godfather of the Cornblow corn dog, sold only at uh, Underground Arts one time, <laughs> sold out. Uh, wait, did we sell him at the Electric Factory? I the think corn so. Corn dog. I think we might have. Yeah. Um, his favorite process player ever uh, is TJ. So I'm sure this is a very important podcast for Cornblow as well. Is uh, They are the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. And when I say boutique, what I mean is, is like you call the other personal injury law firms and they're mostly just referral services. You're not getting the person that you're calling. When you call Cornblow and Cornblow, you get a Cornblow. 40 years in business, so many offices that like, like you, you don't have to be near Cornblow and Cornblow to get near one of their offices and you don't even have to go there. He will come to you. Medical malpractice, injured at work, car accident, uh, slip and fall, all of those, Cornblow and Cornblow. Cornblow and Cornblow is so good that you wake up in the morning, you go to work and you're like, fuck man, I hope I get hurt. Um... I think that every Not that hurt. single day. <laughs> Just slipping on a fucking, I don't know, stray wire or a weird rolly chair. <laughs> That'd be the best. He, do, 
he he truly loved Adam, uh, and he runs the law firm with his mom now. His dad and his mom started it. He truly just he loves this shit, man. He wants to he if you are if you are entitled to something because of this accident, he's gonna get it for you. If you if you need a lawyer, Cornblow and Cornblow, that's where you go. Um, if you think you might have a case, give him a call or shoot him an email. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200 or go to lawyersfortheprocess.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of The Process. One, Any one, other one, yeah. free agency things? Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest one. I yeah. can't believe we talked about it yet. The Sixers, in the intervening days between podcasts, renounced the rights to Anze's Pesetniks. Oh. And traded Ma- yes. Matthias Lasort in the Jimmy Butler deal. So yeah. just any stench, stray collar, weird almond dust that he probably ate off the just off his bare desk. Anything of Brian Colangelo has been scrubbed from the records entirely. It doesn't exist. It never did. People might claim Ben Simmons, but you don't get to walk into a job that has the number one pick in a one-player draft and then take the guy and then get credit for him. So he, there is nothing that Brian Colangelo did here that's still here. He is gone, except for his well, entire front office staff. But aside from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. And Bolden? Yeah, I guess. I was hoping nobody would like, and, call it out, but just Bolden. And Ben Simmons? I mean... I said Ben Simmons. I'm the, that's what I was just talking about. Oh, okay. You don't get to right. take credit for Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Fair, fair, fair. Um, so, yeah, is gone. I he guess. wanted to come over this year. He wanted to come over. He wanted to come over. And the Sixers said, no. A lot of nerve. Not A lot of nerve. today. We only let some people come over, and you don't get to. I feel bad for him, honestly, because I'm sure he sees the shit. And like he... He didn't say, hey, you have to trade up over Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and all the bunch of guys that I don't want to look up right now because it's making me more mad. To tra- to like take, they traded up. They traded up they traded to up. get him and then never bring him over or play him or even really consider it. It was, I think they just drafted him so that because they thought they needed roster spots for Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas so they could then flip those guys and a second-round pick for Trevor Booker? That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I'm glad they're gone. I I don't want to ever think about them again. It really sends me into a bad place when I do. Um, really horrible drafting. And I know that we had a you know an, a not applicable second round this year as well. I just really hope that doesn't ever happen again. It will upset me. So let's move on. Let's let me make the second round picks going forward. And thank you for your service, everyone who sucked. The fact that they traded, like when you look at Pesechniks and you look at the number 25 next to it, for some reason that's what's so striking to me. That... He wasn't a second round pick and he wasn't the last pick in the first round. Like 25 is like a real first round pick. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse and it pains me to say it because this was early in my internet days of getting mad at the Sixers, but it's worse than the Arnett Moultrie trade. It's worse than trading up into the first round to draft Arnett Moultrie if you're Doug Collins and then 
not playing him at all and him being horrendous. Really bad. Really bad. I'm glad they're gone. Um, second thing, Monte Ellis will work out privately for at least five NBA teams in Vegas in a couple days. Uh, Your thoughts. I fucking love Monte Ellis. Hasn't played in the league in two years. You want Monte Ellis? I don't care. I would take him on a vet minimum. I fucking love Monte Ellis. He's right up my alley. You know that. He's 33. We share a birthday. I don't care. 33 is not that old. We just gave a 33-year-old the $100 million contract. Hasn't played in the NBA in two years. Well, so he's fresh. (laughs) That's great. I, I would honestly... I so like I do think the Sixers depth is like too good at this point bringing back too good. I think I would take Corver on a buyout. I obviously take Iguodala on a buyout if that happens to work out. I'd probably take Sean Livingston on a buyout if that happens just for like seems like a really good dude and will just pass the ball and be nice. But if we're like I want I want like Luol Dang on that last rush. I want like Stauskas. Like I, it shouldn't be someone that you're dying to play. And so if it's going to be Monte Ellis, and if he pops, sure. Let him, let him, there's no reason why he can't be fucking J.J. Beret at this stage of his career. Why not? I, look, he, I, I think the problem with Ellis, I can't believe we're actually discussing this, is Let's that do it. He, was never actu- he was never actually a good shooter was no. the problem. No, You know, like that's literally the problem with Ellis. But I fucking He shot love, above 35% would, from three once in his career. Yeah, ten years. I would. And and was it was it the year that the he wasn't playing when they moved the line in? Did they? No, that was a long time ago. Um, I I would fucking buy a Monte Ellis jersey immediately, like just immediately. I've always loved Monte Ellis. You remember the Andre Iguodala for Monte Ellis rumors, right? Oh my god! Back in the day, for generations, those rumors were happening forever. Rudy Gay, totally in favor. I wrote. I wrote eighteen. You were you were in favor of those at at that point. Well, that was that was pre my Andre Iguodala appreciation. That was like when I first got into sure. the, like the whole Sixers world thing, and that was actually how I bonded with uh, Kate Fagan because Kate was in favor of it too. Oof. Uh, I Kate always, is a chucker. I, I never liked Monte Ellis, and I always liked she was, a I was never in chucker. favor of of that uh, of that deal. I would uh, I'd be fine with it. Sure. Hopefully, if 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 he has learned how to hit catch and shoot, guys, there's no honestly like the guy that you want. If you want a junior Malcolm Brogdon, that guy should theoretically be Jared Bayless, but Jared Bayless was here already, and he's not Jared Bayless. He is a shell of something, and he'll he'll never come back here. And I never want him to come back here, unfortunately. Monte Ellis could be an actual the actual Jared Bayless that was Jared Bayless. Get crave for yourself a little bit. Make some stuff happen a little bit. He's always been a better passer than he's gotten credit for. He always he's a better defensive player, at least getting in passing lanes and stripping guys. I he he needs to be able to shoot, but fuck it. The stance of this, the official stance of this podcast, is that the Sixers should sign Monte Ellis. Done. I what a I didn't expect any of that. I, I like I'm I'm floored that we're talking about Monte Ellis you and go. you're in favor of it. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll give you, to end the podcast, you have three choices. Um, two quick mailbag questions, a jigsaw, or a Brian Colangelo relationship advice. Let's go to the mailbag. Okay. 
you can send us Lorenzo Brown mailbag questions at writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. That's writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Tyler, real off-season-y. What, what's the jersey that someone could be wearing when they meet you that would get the best reaction from you? And the opposite, what's the jersey someone could be wearing that would get the worst reaction from you? Could have nothing or everything to do with the process. Hmm. Well, I when I walk by people at the lottery party or on Fly the Process, I'll say something about their jersey, and they won't realize, sometimes won't realize who I am until they hear my voice, and I'm already past them. And so they're like, wait, oh, right. yeah. Um, so I've done it to a bunch of people. You know, like a Croatian Dario jersey always always gets me. Um, you know, any I, there's no bad jersey. I wouldn't be upset at a jersey at any time, even if it's a, a you know a Sixers Evan or obviously a Bynum, which I have affection for. Um, I would. I mean, a Larry Hughes jersey would be cool. Like a, a Barros would really get me in a nice way. Stackhouse always good. I don't know. I don't think there's a bad one. You, if, and if you happen to have ordered yourself a Sixers Byron Mullins, if there's a Sixers Isaiah Cannon that you happen to have, I'd probably be upset about that. Let's say that. Ah, oh, come on. I would no. love that. No, never. Never again. I So the one that would get me the most is Roten. Yeah, that's good. Uh, or it, there's too many. Covingtons are great, but there's there's a lot of them. A Roten would really get me. The, one that, the ones that I... This is not surprising to anyone who's listened to the podcast, but like, and like, it's on a scale, right? Like, there are worse ones than this, but like a Butler or Reddick jersey, like <laughs> Butler, he was here for two months. Like, come on, man, wait for him to sign the contract. Like, and he was a complete dickhead until he got here. Like, chill out for a minute, I guess. There's nothing charming about getting a Jimmy Butler jersey. And, uh, do you remember the fight I got in with the, uh, the the woman who cheated at musical chairs at the Wells Fargo Center over email because of her J.J. Reddick jersey? Yes, I do. She, uh, she threw it out at one point, and she emailed this week, and she was like, I'm glad I threw it out. Like, <laughs> fuck him. Wow. <laughs> After time with the felon. What a turn. <laughs> um, okay, uh, second question, and the final, final one. This one comes from Eric. Um, oh, Eric Raskin, who used to write for Grantland, boxing writer, um, has a boxing podcast a, a, and has a process pup dog. Hey, Spike and Mike, I just had a moment where I saw a headline about Markel Fultz's shooting for him, and I felt this wonderful relief of not caring. A gentle splash of not my problem anymore washed over me. My question for you guys is how high does Fultz rank in your all-time not my problem anymore Philly sports rankings, and who else ranks near the top? Mm. He is pretty high. I, I really, you mean. yeah, I really believe, I really believed in him out of college. I really, really, really did, and it just it really killed me over the course of the last few years. And so, I don't feel I feel some not my problem. I totally hear how Eric does and how anyone would feel not my problem, but I also just feel guilt. Like I did something yeah. wrong and to force this to happen. And so I feel a lot of things. But I, I, it, he's at the top of my guilt rankings for sure. Other guys, hmm. 
I don't know. I think I felt I felt a little bit of that with like Billy Wagner or like John Papelbon. Maybe just closers. Um, I, <laughs> James Thrash. <laughs> Any Sixers? Uh, I mean, ba- ba- well, Bayless for a little, yeah. This one. So I agree with you on the faults thing. I I don't, and you know, you were always more hopeful about it than I was. Yeah. Um. So I still feel bad for him, and like I, I still have not wrapped my head entirely around what happened. So I don't, I don't feel relieved from it because I, for so for like long stretches, I, I felt like it didn't even exist for us. Um, so I, I, I don't. But I, I, to your point, I can totally agree. Um, I can see how somebody would feel that way. I 100% feel that way with Butler. Um, I feel relieved, and I think in the next 18 months, like that will become obvious. Um, Phillies, <sighs> Phillies. I'm not sure there's a guy. Eagles, Jason Babin. Weird. But I just didn't like him. I don't know that he was like a problem. Sam Bradford yeah, was I'm, a, I might have felt definitely it was Kevin a not problem. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Mm. Um, all those concussions and all those, he, he's like his, his fucking, his rib cage ripped away from the muscles or something. Like he had a horrible injury. Rough. Anyway, um, yeah. I would, right, I would be remiss it. if we didn't You're, say uh, a goodbye to Boban. Yeah, oh, right. Which I know he's only here for a little bit, but really made an impression. And I feel sad that him and Toby Tobias aren't, obviously aren't going to be together after uh, being on the same team for three separate teams. Um, but I, you know, I, he was good this year. He was really good for us. And I know that he became unplayable in the second round of the playoffs, but he hurt Brooklyn a lot. Uh, at least on the offensive end, and just couldn't quite figure out how to protect the rim, which is hard to do in some ways when you're that big, but uh, just not quick enough to to hang. But I I do love him and really, really wish him well. And there's so many lovable guys that used to be on the Sixers that are now on other teams, and so anytime you turn a game on, you're like, oh, there's Rashawn in Sacramento or Dario in Phoenix or... Now Boban on, on Dallas. There's and TJ. I mean, there's a ton of guys. You're just like, ah, oh, I love these guys, and uh, I, I. It's cool. It 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 weird. It really does feel like a. I'm a I'm a parent whose child went off to college far away, but now I don't get to talk to him anymore, <laughs> and I never did, and maybe they're not my child, and they're older. Yeah. <laughs> but in all those other ways. Yeah. I, it feels that way. What when. When I see those guys around the league, and and one who isn't, he you know he was part of the process here a little bit. I always feel that way about Thad Young. Sure, I'm always cheering for mm-hmm. Thad. Um, yeah, I I agree. I, uh, now Boban, uh, did Boban have the highest three point shooting percentage of any Sixer last year? That was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, he had to be. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm uh, he I, I'm glad that we got. To be part of the Boban, the Boban experience for a little I really while. am. So. I really am too. He shot fifty percent from three last year. Yep. So he was God bless him. Uh, it will be really nice 
Actually, Greg Monroe was one for one. Uh, it would be really nice to just have a guy have not unplayable backup centers anymore. No matter what, no matter what happens. Well, maybe I don't say that. The Sixers have some uh, stretch the bounds of the imagination. But unless something crazy happens, the Sixers are going to have just really good backups. No more Greg Monroe. No more Amir Johnson. No more like you know, hoping Justin Patton figures it out. Like there's there's a there's a defensive anchor back there. No matter what, and that's that's huge. I think, and. I think Norvell Pell, who was third in G League Defensive Player of the Year voting, will eventually be that off the bench as well. So hopefully that that pipeline of Shake got the we didn't talk about Shake, but Shake getting the four year deal off the two way. Hopefully that's the next thing for Norvell, and you can just get guys that, as like a tryout, get them into the system, play them a little bit, and then have them on cheap deals. They need they will need cheap, youngish talent to produce, and Norvell's. 26 or 27 so and, and that that's a that's a the right era for someone to be on a two-way and then get called up after so yes yeah, it, i agree it's, good stuff. Uh, it's the, the kylo quinn thing it's just it feels like such a relief i know it sounds crazy no i feel but it. i'm like oh i i know he's pretty good you know yeah um god we had fucking greg monroe on the i know Sixers and watch. made a difference in the playoffs and I, I i stood up for him i think for you know a half hour or something uh, you remember that layup that he got caught in between the rim oh, and the backboard? That was tough. That was tough. <laughs> um, I go to summer, summer League in two days. So that's pretty yes. good. Um, you could do some interviews? You got a press pass. Yeah, I got a press pass. I work for WIP now. Um, you did some interviews last year. I did a bunch. And I'm going to try to do yeah. this, a similar thing of talking to, talking to some folks. Um, the the, uh, the Ringer is doing a live show on Saturday, so all those fuckers will be there. So... I'm sure you yeah, can there's find a, Chris there's a, Ryan. There's a bunch or... of guys. Elon is going to be there at Summer League. Yep. So I've been texting with him a little bit. Um, the Sixers Summer League roster, I haven't talked about it much at all. Obviously, it's the the, the guys that we already know. Shayok, Pell, uh, Matisse, Sheik, and Zaire. Um, so those will be the guys we're paying attention to. But also Haywood Highsmith, who I think could... If he out, I mean, if Haywood Highsmith outplays Shayok, like, I don't think that the second two-way spot for Shayok should be guaranteed. It might be to him, but I would, I'd be very pleased if the Sixers just go into summer league with an open mind and say, hey, if somebody wants to beat this guy out, then we're gonna go with them because I really don't think he's that special. Um, but he also might be the best shooter on the team. <laughs> oh my God! No, it'll be fine. <laughs> but there's a couple guys I like, Jalen Jones. Um, I forget other people's names, but there's a, there's a handful of guys that I'm that I'm excited to see how they how they look. Uh, Summer league, baby. This is this is what we go for, and I'll be at Zion's first game, which will be pretty fucking dope. Um, that is exciting. We got it. I, I'm excited for your because um, I feel like so I have a vacation coming up like the middle of July, and I feel like that's a perfect time to release the the Mike Summer League interviews. I'm very excited for the Summer League interviews. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, yeah. Um, cool. Well, enjoy summer league. You fly out what uh, Friday? I drive Friday morning. Sixers oh. play at twelve thirty local time, my time on Friday. So I got to I got to get there before then. So it'll be uh, straight up, straight from the car into press row, baby. Let it ride. Great. 
well, thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, once again, farewell, TJ McConnell. Uh, we are down to one of the Process Core Four. That is Joel Embiid, who still has not been at a live right Ricky <laughs> Sanchez or ever on this podcast, which is truly fucking unbelievable. What if he had come to um, the uh, the Minnesota Breakfast Lobby podcast with the racist guy? Yeah. That's the it one. Been that's so the one he came to. He, he just there. walked in, yeah. and then we didn't. And that was it. There were like you know, eighty-five people. I'd have been fine with it. Yeah. It's like, come on already. Like, like, like. We got good ideas for for, for next for podcast guests, and we got. Uh, you know, we'll see when yeah. the schedule comes out, but it feels like Indiana will be the front runner. Yeah. Uh, for uh, fly, fly the process. Yeah. yeah. Because originally I was like, oh, Miami. And then I texted Joe, fans of Philly Joe today, and I was like, scratch Miami. We're going to the Midwest again, buddy. So, so, Phoenix would yeah, also be love cool to to- for Dario. But we already saw, yeah, we already saw cool. Dario. Yeah, I, I truly believe um, that if we went to see TJ, we would get a Covington-like reaction from TJ. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think he would love yeah. it. So. All, right, All right. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know like face. Get off my gold. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Bumpers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile.